Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. David, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Okay, uh, with all the rain that we have, we live at Little River Academy, which, though it's next to a river, all the property is flat. And we have no sewage, no uh, ditches. Uh-huh. And so water pools in our front yard and then starts coming into the house. What's a cheap, easy way to make it so we can quit having water in our house? A way to divert it, but there's nowhere to divert it to. That's our problem. If there is nowhere uh, to take the water to, nowhere to divert it or anything, you you get don't. down to, to a, a limited number of things you can do. You can raise that home up, which is extremely expensive. Uh, how much water do you get in the home? Just like just a little bit. It goes up to it comes up on our sidewalk about two inches, and that's after it fills the front yard. Okay, but is it coming in the house? Yeah, it's seeping through the bricks, and it comes underneath the uh, garage doors. Okay. There is a process that I have seen where they come in and actually waterproof the walls. They fill the cavity between the brick and the wall with a material to basically turn the house into almost like a boat. Uh, it can handle water as much as I can't remember if it was two foot or eighteen inches, I, something like that. But for houses that aren't getting a, a a huge amount of water in them, it's a very viable option on how to uh, basically flood proof the house. And I wish I had some material with me on it. Uh, I have talked to them, and you know what? I can maybe find an email where I emailed with them uh, when I when we go to the first commercial break here. And uh, if, if, if I can find it, I'll talk about it when we come back after the first commercial break and, and uh, give you some contact information. I don't even know if there is a dealer in the Dallas area who does it. I know they're in Houston, and that's where I talk to them, but it's a national thing that, that they do, so there may be somebody here in Houston as well. I mean, here in Dallas as well. Well, the big problem is the water, you know, just pooling in the yards and, you know, rising enough to get into the house. Uh, I caulked caulked the bricks, and that stopped the water from coming in there, but it looks like i got to make a dam of concrete around the garage front doors. But is there nowhere, no way to... Well, you're telling me that the whole area goes underwater, and if that's the case, no. If the whole area is not going underwater, you know, where the water can be sent somewhere else, absolutely, then it can be done that. You know, sometimes you have to put in sump pumps to capture the water and pump it away. Uh, But it, it all depends on, you know, if it's just pockets of pooling water versus... When you look outside, it's water as far as you can see. Pockets more. Well, if it, if yeah, if it's just pockets, then then we're dealing with drainage. Which right now, I'm doing a ton of drainage work, uh, simply because of just like you said, you, you get water that is standing and 
and causing issues and and you want to get rid of it so your choices typically in a situation like you're dealing with where there's no uh drainage ditches or anything like that normally you're going to put catch basins throughout the yard that will drain into a sump pit and the in the sump pit has an automatic pump that when uh, the water gets into it it just pumps it out wherever you take the pipe to uh, send it down the uh sewage stream cannot go down in sewage you can go we into cannot. you can you can go into uh drain basins things like that but not not sewer pipes okay uh, thanks you bet Oh, yeah. You know, and just for everybody listening, the reason you can't go into sewer pipes is it would overwhelm the sewer system. I mean, literally, uh, you would fill up everything in a matter of minutes if everybody was draining pipes or draining water into the sewage system. Mac and Crawley, how can we help you? Hey, Jim, how are you? Wonderful. How are you today? I'm great. Hey, I'm a longtime listener, and uh, I got ah! a crazy. I got a crazy question. Uh, not with my daughter. I apologize. My uh, my my roof uh, has suffered some wind damage over the years. It's about coming up on ten years old, and I've done some repair on it. I bought the proper shingle to replace with the right color, but you can tell the difference when you stand back from the house. And of course, my house is on a a T intersection, so it just bothers me to no end. Yeah. Can I ask you a ridiculous question? I think I already know the answer to, but a couple of years ago when I was up on a roof doing some repairs, I spilled some Rust-Oleum paint on, on some of the shingles on the backside of the house. Boy, that paint is holding up incredibly well. So I did, it, I did an experiment. I took some of those shingles that I used to do the repair, and I painted them, and I set them out in the sun in the backyard. Yeah. Even after a year, that shingle hasn't curled, hasn't done anything. And that paint is holding up incredibly well on that shingle. Does anybody, is there any common, give me some, give me a blast of reality. Can I, <laughs> I potentially paint that roof just for cosmetic purposes? Well, they, they do make some coatings that you can put on roofs. Uh, it colors it at the same time. So it's more, it's not just for cosmetics. They do it to, uh, to extend the life sometimes. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring Chris Arrington on since I've got him on hold already, and okay. since he deals with this all the time, he'll have a more industry answer than than what I do. Uh, Chris, are you there? I'm here. Did you hear the question? Yeah. yeah. Do you want, you want it pink or blue? <laughs> uh, a beautiful shade of pink would be nice. The neighbors would love that. <laughs> Here, here's the thing, it, Jim's right. You, you could, you could put a coating on there, but it's going to change it, and it's going to look really different. And the problem is going to be, all your shingles are all individual. How are you going to paint that to fill in all the cracks? And those shingles are going to move a little bit, and then you're going to see cracks in it everywhere because the paint's not going to span that gap. You know, at, at the butt end of each shingle, it don't do it. it okay. I, I have seen them done, and t- typically you get about three years, and it really starts looking like heck up there. Yeah. Well, here's my 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 rationale is simply this: that since I live in such a high visibility area, 
that the the wonderful repair that I did myself, it's so visible. It just uh, it bugs me because the house really looks good and the doggone roof really looks bad. But the doggone roof isn't leaking. I've lost a shingle or two from the high wind we have out this way. But, uh, I, hey, I just I appreciate the blast of reality. I just couldn't get out of my head. I just want to crawl up there and paint that stupid roof. I can't you help know, let me Let me add one thing here. Um, if If you did use the same shingle, and it was the same manufacturer. Um, in in a in a couple of years, you may not notice the difference because all the, all the difference you're seeing is fading, right? And yeah. that the newer one may catch up, you know, to where it's close enough where you really don't you don't see it anymore. Well, I'm hoping. Hey, uh, I love the show, Jim. Thanks for your input. I appreciate it. Not a problem. Take care, Mac. Hey, uh, last yeah. week's storm was. You know, when I was sitting here doing the radio show, uh, we didn't realize how brutal it was until really late that that afternoon or the or the next morning. Uh, we got beat up pretty bad in areas. Oh, and you know, Jim, I, in my neighborhood, we had a a lot of trees falling and, and wind whipping around, and I wasn't even in town. And by the way, I had my car parked. In the one place where the one limb in my yard fell right on my truck, so it caved in the cab of my truck. Oh, <laughs> not fun! But it, yeah, it's it, it was an unusual circumstance, and it's called a downburst. So just imagine, you know, wind coming from the east or west and blowing across. This came from the sky. You know, just comes the wind comes down. It has to do with lightning storms and everything but it comes straight down and then it hits the ground and spreads out but then as it spreads out it goes back curls back up and then kind of swirls up higher but all the wind hits low that's why all the the trees got knocked down because it kind of went to the ground yep because you know typically when the air is coming through real fast it's kind of kind of up high and this, it just forces it. And I mean, Jim, I saw a neighborhood two days ago that was 50 times worse than mine. I, it, I was felt like I was driving down a cavern of tree debris. Yeah. Uh, well, my niece lives in an area. In fact, I told her she needs to, to give your office a call. Uh, but she had a tree knocked over. It hit her roof, did damage mm-hmm. to the shingles, punched, punctured in through the decking and everything. Yeah, uh, and there and and virtually all her neighbors and well, the whole neighborhood is that way. It, they just got beat up something fierce, uh, right? And and here's what I the, you know the thing we always want I want people to hear three things happen in this wind, which um, it it'll, it can lift the shingles up, it can lift things up and put it back down, and you you'd never know the difference. But a debris gets up under there, and the shingle's never going to seal again. Then you've got this. We also had hail with it. So now you got tip, your typical hail damage where it bruises or cuts through the shingles. But with the falling trees, now we're talking about the part of the roof that you don't think about, which is the structure. Right. And, and if you've if you got a guy out there that really doesn't know what he's looking at, you could have cracked rafters. You could have decking that didn't get a hole, but it's cracked yep. and over time now you've got a um, structure that's going to 
start failing. Now, as the adjust, the adjusters are going to be crazy busy because there was also a storm in Austin and San Antonio while ours was going on. So the state of Texas has got a lot of claims, and they're going to be uh, running through this. So I want to let people know, you know, so sometimes you get an adjuster that's fine, I'll give you the claim, and another one who's not, and you're next door to each other. Yeah, It really comes down to a guy documenting stuff, finding it, you know, your, your roofer getting with the adjuster and really going over stuff and saying, you know, listen, here's what we've got. Because some, some adjusters get in a hurry and they don't give claims. <laughs> some get in a hurry and just give you one. So, yeah. and, and, and if you get the one who doesn't, you know, take care of the claim, you have the right to go back to the insurance company and request somebody else come take a look. Yeah, that, that's a good point, because sometimes people are like, I didn't want the storm anyway, now it's a hassle, and I want to get on with my life. But I'd say just like we were saying on waiting for stuff to match colors, just kind of got to be patient and go through the system, and and you're going to have to spend a little bit of time on it. But it's going to be worth it, because who wants, in a couple of years, if that broken rafter comes up, well, the insurance company's out of it. Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Ah, this comes from Kathy. We have a vaulted ceiling in our living area. The paint is chipping and moisture is collecting on the beam at the peak of the ceiling. There's just inches between the roof and the sheetrock. I was wondering if installing a ceiling fan with a reverse option would help solve this problem. The second floor is open to the ceiling. I can tell that it gets quite warm up there. Thank you. Well, yeah, hot air rises, so the the high areas like like that are always going to be hotter. I mean, that's one of the reasons back in the old days they used to build the ceilings higher. I mean, we're eight foot is a standard ceiling now. They used to make them like 10 and 11 feet. And then they had those windows, you know, above the doors that would tip open. That allowed the heat to escape out. We don't do that anymore. So it gets up there and it's just trapped. Now, would that fan help? It actually probably would because you're circulating the drier air and controlling temperatures up there better. But the bigger cause of it is probably the insulation that is in the ceiling has slid down a little bit. And if it's only slid down two or three inches, you're now getting a two or three inch section up there that's not insulated, that's meeting cold air with warm air, and that's what causes the sweating. So, yes, it would help, but the next time you re-roof the house, let's address the opening up in the top up there uh, of the insulation, and you can probably solve your problem much better long-term that way. I'm going to welcome Trey Martin from America's Choice Windows to the show. And Trey, how are you today? Living the dream. Living the dream. Well, I will tell you, happy Father's Day. Well, thank you. Back and to you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Let's talk about windows for a minute because, you know, last weekend when I was doing the show, we had a major storm hit Dallas. Actually, as I was doing the show last Sunday, and along with that came really high winds, knocked over a crane, uh, one person 
you know, was killed when it hit the apartment building and uh, four floors of a parking garage collapsed. We were having winds of 70 plus miles an hour on the ground and they figured probably something in excess of 100 at the top of that crane that pushed it over. We're dealing with these kind of winds all the time along the coast when we have hurricanes come in and we're in hurricane season now so I thought this would be a great time to talk about the wind force and really what we need to do for wind codes to keep our insurance. The windows when they're certified for the windstorm they're only certified to withstand the wind correct? Water air filtration design pressures. Now when you get into impact windows Here's the thing about impact windows, because the state has come down hard. If you're on the seawall now, yeah. it's required that you have an impact window. Okay. Now, some people are saying, okay, I don't want impact windows. I'm just going to put shutters and a regular window, a certified windstorm window up. Well, you could do that. But at our price point, why do that? Get an impact window, and now I've just saved you an extra thousand bucks because those shutters are going to cost well, you pricey. fifteen yeah. to twenty five hundred dollars, depending on the size and location of that window. So the impact windows, I'm, I have to, I have to ask this. I mean, there's mm-hmm. got to be an upcharge on that. There is, there is. It is a little bit more expensive. Yes, it is. Okay, but it's, but it is where you are not required to have a shuttering system on the home. Okay. So what kind of impact will an impact? I'm I'm curious now because I've not looked at impact windows in the past. Sure. What kind of impact do they withstand? So you can get to 120 miles an hour. Now, you will have what is called a sacrificial glass. Right. That's the exterior portion of that glass, and it typically will potentially breach or break. But the interior portion of that glass will not breach and or break. Okay, that's the two layers of the the different glass. Exactly. So Mm -hmm. that – but that window is such a beefy window – that to replace that one sheet of glass is very simple to do because of the glazing process. Right. But at the end of the day, if you're out of town, you don't have to worry about, oh, my goodness, babe, we can't put our shutters up. Now, the insurance may say, I don't really care if you're out of town or not. You should have made effort to get back home. Right. Because you knew the storm was coming, and then they could deny you on that idea, too. And I'm sure you've heard of those stories. So let me ask the obvious question that after that explanation about the sacrificial outside glass versus inside glass, I'm sure everybody's having the same question in their head. Why aren't they putting that glass on the outside instead of the inside? Well, because the way that the, the window has to be sealed. And, and, you know, I have to ask you, being the only windowologist I know, No, right? it's all about the ceiling of that window. Yeah. Uh, because you, you, you can only put that, the argon in between a layer of two points of glass. Right. And that third layer of glass is not going to have that argon in between that. Okay. So you're saying the impact windows have three layers then? They do. Gotcha. Okay. So that's got the... The that second the, the layer laminate it, coating it is actually probably adjacent to the outside That's piece right, of glass, exactly. and that outside piece of glass cracks up, and and you still have a layer of glass That's there. Right. Gotcha. Now I understand. Jim, in the last couple of weeks, we've noticed a loss of water pressure with our kitchen faucet. The water pressure in both bathrooms is unchanged. Can you think of a reason this would happen? Thanks. Well, Marcus, yeah, there's a lot of reasons it could happen, but typically it boils down to one of two things. And if it's both hot and cold water side, a loss of pressure, it's almost always going to be the aerator at the end where the water comes out. That end is able to be unscrewed. 
And what you're going to find is there's some debris in there that is plugging it up where you're just plain not getting the water coming through like it should because there's not enough space around all the debris. So you unscrew the end, take it out, clean it, put it back together, and screw it back in. Works great. When you take an aerator apart, you're going to find that you got the screen, then you got this plastic piece that has holes in it that the water goes through, and that's where the little debris gets stuck into those little holes. There's a couple ways of cleaning it, but what I have found to be the easiest is literally take that little plastic piece out, rinse it out good, and use two things, a toothbrush and a toothpick, just a wooden toothpick, to clean all the little debris out of it. Put it back together, you're good to go. Those things work great. Uh, if you, you know, if, if that doesn't fix it, then it actually goes back to the faucet itself, and especially on a single-handle faucet, the orifices within the faucet itself can get plugged. That's not as common, but it can happen. And to fix that, you literally shut the water off under the sink, remove the cartridge. You got to remove the handle first, then the cartridge. You got to take it apart, clean it, put it back together, and usually it'll work again. A lot of times, that's something you want to call a plumber for because unless you're used to cleaning cartridges like that, uh, it's just not one of those things that you want to necessarily get into and have to figure out how to put it together later. Jim, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. How can I help you? Yeah, uh, Jim, what, my question pertains to a chimney. On the inside of my chimney, I had it inspected, and they said it's deteriorated and needs to be relined, and it was going to cost $5,000. And uh, what I'm looking at is is uh, what are some alternatives? I've seen some stuff on television with uh, pipes going down. I guess this uh, steel type of uh, flexible pipe going down yeah. to inside the chimney from the you know from the firebox on up to the top. Well, which looks like it might be a heck of a lot less expensive to do it that way. What type of fireplace uh, chimney do you have now? Is it the the clay? liner or something yeah it's some type of clay liner it was a house that's built in the late 60s okay on the west side of houston and what are they saying is the issue with it well it's cracks or you know it's it, it may be you know i i called them up i wanted them to get i wanted to go to just using gas and right. uh, get some fake logs in there and i said let's inspect it first and they came back and said uh you know they put a camera up there okay and uh said that it was just it had deteriorated yeah well, you know, they make fake logs, if that's what you're wanting to do, that don't require any ventilation at all. Well, I mean, I'd like to have a gas fire, you know, have a regular fire in there. But, no, that's what know, I'm from, saying. From they, gas. They make gas ones that are ventless. Really? And that could be put in there, and you wouldn't have to do a darn thing to it. Because well, it, I'm it, surprised it, to hear that. Yeah. It, they, because, you know, the, they, the guys that I had come and do it are a place that sells uh, fake logs. Yeah, but... It's a, it, it, there's a lot better money in selling you a $5,000 chain repair than a $300 yeah. fake uh, log that don't require vent. <laughs> yeah, I told them no thank you. Yeah. Okay, uh, and that would hook right up to my house gas, too. I yep. mean, just like, you know, I've got an outlet in there. Yeah, and they're, quite frankly, they're used all the time in houses from the 60s and uh, 50s and 60s uh, because a, a lot of those houses had fake fireplaces in them. Yeah, no, this is a real fireplace. Yeah, this is a yeah. real one, yeah. but you could still use that type of 
system. It, it, it all has to do with how it burns the gas, okay. whether it has to be vented or not. So that would be one option. The other option is to slide a liner down through the clay pipe that's there, and then it has to be sealed at the bottom. And, uh, you know, that creates the new chimney. Obviously, I haven't looked at your fireplace, so I don't know for sure that that would work. But I'll tell you where I would start would be with getting a second opinion as far as what's wrong with the fire. Place, you know, yeah, I mean, I don't intend to burn wood in there. It's just, yeah, just and too then, messy. But, but really, I was real surprised when they told me that when they were trying yeah. to sell me this relining job for five it, grand. Especially if you told them that you were looking at putting gas in there. Yeah. Um, I would get somebody else out there. Okay. Do you have the, any recommendations? The, uh, the place I typically recommend is over off fifty nine, just outside of the six ten loop. They're on the north side of 59, right where it starts making the curve headed south. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it, it's a, I can't remember if it's called Fireplace Store or what the name of it is. Okay, I'm it, familiar it, with that area then. Yeah, it's right there on the right-hand side. Okay. Good. Well, let me see I, what they can do for me. I would start there, but, you know, your first thing, go into some of those stores and ask them about the ventless gas logs. You bet. And then talk to them about what your chimney's doing. Great. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Bye-bye. 713-212-5868-74866-937-0003. And we'll see what we can do to help you out here on Texas Home Improvement. And, you know, when it comes to a fireplace, he's, he's right. you got to be very careful, especially if you're going to go to gas because you don't want to be putting you know, carbon monoxide in the house and all that stuff. But those ventless fireplace or gas logs that they have available nowadays, they look gorgeous. They do a wonderful job of putting out uh, just a small amount of heat because, let's face it, if you're in South Texas, you don't need that fireplace putting out a whole heck of a lot of heat. It's more aesthetics than anything. But you want to make sure that the fireplace isn't going to be a hazard with anything going up through it so uh, take the time to check it out and do everything the right way and this is jim how can i help you yeah jim is the water hammer does it work for the same hot or cold because it only does it on, on the hot water can i do what you said for the cold water too and solve it usually yes okay now it only... go ahead the, the water hammer you're getting is just when you shut the water off it it makes a, no. a thump well, well, yeah, and uh, only uh, only with hot water. Okay. Kind of, you know, it's only a, yeah, and it's kind of a starts doing it while it's while it's on after it's warmed up. Yep. Oh, okay. well, hold on, hold on, that's something different. It it's it starts doing it after it's warmed up. Yeah, I mean uh, after the after the water doing it, and uh, but it, it, it's 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 got the characteristics of a water hammer, and and but it's hot water. Right. And then I heard but, you explain, tell someone to But does it cut, start cut doing it, it while the water is still running? Yes. Okay. That's that's not uh, a water hammer then. That's going to be the gasket uh, in one of the fittings, in one of the uh-huh. fixtures. Uh, is it doing it only with one faucet? Or, or? Yeah. It yep. only does it in the bathroom, the master okay. bedroom. That faucet, the it will have O-rings and washers in it. One of them uh-huh. has come loose as the hot water is going by it and changes the slight 
temperature or changes the size of the washer ever so slight, it starts vibrating with the water running by it. Right. And that's actually what you're hearing. So that's just a matter of rebuilding the cartridge. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. You bet. Take care. Uh, Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah. And, and for the distinction, a water hammer happens when the water gets shut off and the water hits and pipes have risers in them that keep air so that when the water stops, that air compresses and takes the blunt of the force. And in order to fix that, you simply shut the water off to the house, drain all the pipes, leave all the valves open to, to get everything drained, then close all the valves, turn the water back on with the exception of the furthest one from where the water comes in the house. That fills all the pipes with water again, but fills those risers with air again to take the absorption of that water hammer. But when you start hearing a thumping when the water is just plain running, that's a washer in the valve itself or an O-ring that water is flowing by and flapping as the water flows by. It's amazing how that little bitty washer flapping sounds like somebody's beating the heck out of the house with a sledgehammer. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com. 